Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So continuing on, we left at about lunchtime. We drove to Wall, went to Wall Drug, had lunch in Wall Drug. I think John got that wet giant. Yeah, something with gravy on it. That was, it was the gravy. The it's the great American gravy tour for John on this particular trip. It's something covered in gravy. I couldn't tell what it was. There was so much, so gravy. much gravy. Yeah. <laughs> This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, our stories of adventures and misadventures as we travel to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Karen Smith. We are the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. On today's episode, we're taking you to the great state of South Dakota. Before we started visiting the national parks, South Dakota was never really on our travel destination list, but it turns out this state has a lot of remarkable NPS sites. And one of the most spectacular has to be the Badlands National Park. That's right. It's one of our absolute favorite national parks. We'll be sharing some tips on things to do and see in Badlands, as well as the surrounding area. And hopefully this episode will help you plan your trip to South Dakota, or SODAC, as we now like to call it. As you like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not calling it SODAC. <laughs> well, I think that's what the locals call it. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's what... What yokels call it. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Karen. <laughs> we are just back from a 3,000-mile road trip that we just took from here to Badlands National Park. I know. It feels like the truck's still moving. I know. I know. And we're, we're knee-deep in dirty laundry and trying to unpack all of the stuff that we bought and the treasures that we brought back. Yeah, we're back. It was a great late May trip to the Badlands from Seattle to South Dakota and all the points in between. It's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We went with our friends, John and Lolly, who we travel a lot with. And we actually went in the same truck together. John drove. So... It was an 11-day adventure, and fortunately, John and Lolly are still speaking to us. It did get cold in the in the bed of the truck that last eight hours that they made me sit back there. I thought it was odd when we stopped for gas that last time that John put all of my luggage in the passenger seat and made a little home for me back in the, in the truck bed. I was surprised it was only the last eight hours. <laughs> are you? Yeah. 
Anyway, it was a great trip. We have done this particular road trip from Seattle to the Badlands and all points in between. We've done it now three times, and it never gets old. It's still one of our favorites because there's so many incredible public lands to see along the way and around the Badlands. I think mid to late May is maybe a little early to do it, although we had some good weather and some not so good weather. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty good except for the end when we got to Yellowstone and it was snowing in 28 degrees. And it it turned to winter. (laughs) That's right. It turned to winter on us. (laughs) But we'll give a list here of some of the public lands we stopped at. And actually the very first one in Montana, this was about an hour east of Butte. It was called Madison Buffalo Jump State Park. And that's the first time we've ever been to that park. Kind of off the highway in the middle of nowhere. It's a cool little trail to hike and to go to the top of the buffalo jump and read the interpretive signs. It's a really interesting thing to see how they hunted the buffalo back before horses and guns. That's right. They stampeded the the bison off of the cliff. And then at the base of the cliff, they were waiting. And the ones who hadn't died, they slaughtered them there. But that's that's what a buffalo jump is. And they're located in a lot of places in Montana, Wyoming, and South Dakota. And they set up their village close by, and then they would process all the bison. And as we all know, they used every bit of the bison. So it was it was very important to their culture because... Literally everything that kept the Indians alive and thriving came from the bison. And it was interesting to read that this particular buffalo jump was used by different Native American tribes for approximately 2,000 years, dating as far back as 500 B.C. and ending around 1750 A.D. Yeah, once they got horses and guns, it became less important or necessary to use buffalo jumps, Mm -hmm. running them off cliffs. So it became much more efficient to hunt them with with horses. Right. And archaeologists have found tons of bison bones buried at the base of these cliffs, and they've also uncovered the remains of teepee villages. So it is a wonderful historic site. It was also beautiful to be out there hiking. Highly recommend if you're in the area to stop at this particular state park. Uh, Not only a buffalo jump, we could have probably stopped lots of places along the way, but we had uh, some destinations, so we had to keep moving. But we did visit Little Bighorn Battlefield again, which is always interesting. And what I think makes that even more interesting, John and I had read the book A Terrible Glory, and it's a pretty good history of what led up to the Battle of the Little Bighorn and the, the battle itself. And so then it's very interesting when you go to the park itself and you're driving the road and you can see the different places, uh, things that happened. Having read the book, it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of tough to piece it all together not having read the book before. Yeah, and the park does a great job with their signage, letting you know where particular events happened during the battle. And there are also, if you haven't been there, there are also markers where the troops died and also markers where Indians died. So it is a, is a great uh, piece of history there to go and check out. Yeah, we stopped there. We also uh, stopped at Devil's Tower again, mm-hmm. uh, hiked around that. It was a beautiful beautiful day. We also went to Bear Butte State Park. We had been there before, but hadn't hiked to the top of the Butte. And so this time we had time and energy to hike to the (laughs) top. 
it's a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, it was a little harder than I thought. It's about, it's three miles round trip, which doesn't sound like a lot. And it's a thousand feet of elevation gain and it's a very rocky trail. Um, so it was, it was a little bit of effort there, but boy, it was worth it when we got to the top. They, they built a beautiful viewing platform and of course, 360 degree views in every direction. And one tip there, as the ranger at the visitor center will tell you, bring water. <laughs> because right. you'll need it. Also in that area, we went back to Custer State Park. One of our favorites. One of our favorites, mm-hmm. looking for bison. It was a little hard to find the bison. Oftentimes they're kind of hiding, but uh, also went to Mount Rushmore in the Black Hills, mm-hmm. which is always fun to see. Yes. We also went to Wind Cave National Park, and that was probably the only disappointment I had during the whole trip is that I had wanted to do a cave tour again because our last cave tour was 10 years ago, but they have limited the tours to 50% capacity because of COVID and you cannot buy your tickets in advance. You have to show up the day up. So when we showed up on Sunday, you know, the visitor center opens at 8 a.m. and I think we got there about 8.10 and there was a huge line outside. And by the time we got up there, the tickets were all sold out. So just note, if you're planning to visit and the tours are still limited to 50% capacity, go early. The rangers told us that people started lining up at 5.30 a.m. I knew we were in trouble when we got there and we saw people exiting the visitor center with their camp chairs. (laughs) Right. So we knew that they had brought their chairs and were sitting for quite a while in line. But anyway, we made the best of it because Missing the tour gave us time to do a hike in Wind Cave National Park, which turned out to be a pretty cool hike. Oh, my gosh. It was beautiful out there. Yeah. And we saw, even though we didn't see a lot of bison in Custer State Park. So Wind Cave National Park is adjacent to Custer. And as we started our hike, we were maybe half mile in. We saw coyotes chasing a small group of bison that had a baby. So there, the coyotes were eyeing the baby, thought maybe they could pick it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Good luck. Is, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, what the bison have to defend against all year long. So then we kept hiking, and later we saw just a ton of bison way kind of back, maybe three miles from the trailhead. It and, was really nice to get back into the park. We've never hiked in Wind Cave before. And not a single person on that trail other than us. I think everybody goes for the cave tours, and but it did turn out to be a really great day there. One more cave tour note. I would have also liked to go to Jewel Cave National Monument, which is in that same area, but it was closed. And not due to COVID, I believe they were doing some repairs. And I think if I read it correctly, they're going to reopen in June. But if you're headed that way, check and see if Jewel Cave has reopened as well. Yeah, you could easily spend a week just in the Black Hills area. There's just so much to see and do. And we can't forget one of the highlights for us was seeing the largest smoky bear statue in the world in Hill City. That's right. That was life changing. Life changing. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing is I couldn't figure out how to hold his hand because... I would have to have sat in you his could hand. Have sit in his hand. Yeah, yeah, he was that big. He was huge. So we did get some photos. We were standing on his shovel at one point. 
But yeah, it was very cool to see Smokey Bear. Right as you come in uh, into Hill City, he's sitting there. And it was just a few blocks from our cute little cabin that we stayed in. So um, very cool to see. Very, very fun. Yep. And after we left the Custer State Park area and we headed to Badlands, we also visited the Minuteman Missile National Historical Park. And then, as we said, we wrapped up our trip in Yellowstone. So those are some of the some of the public lands we visited during this um, during this journey. So today, specifically, we're going to talk about Badlands National Park. But if you want any more information about some of these other places we just mentioned, you can check out our episode number 13, which is the Great American Bison Road Trip. That was possibly my favorite road trip of all time. And we also visited Teddy Roosevelt National Park on that one, which is another great park with lots of bison and some fun hiking trails. Yeah, that's a great one. Now, if you're visiting all these places in one trip, which we'd highly recommend, Badlands National Park is about 90 minutes east of Mount Rushmore or about an hour east of Rapid City, South Dakota. So very doable to plan a week or 10 days and and hit all these places. Okay. Badlands National Park, a beautiful park. It's about 244,000 acres and It is essentially, other than the Badlands itself, it has one of the largest mixed grass prairies in the country. So the park protects these unusual buttes and spires that were formed. They formed about 75 million years ago, and then erosion started about 500,000 years ago. As the buttes and spires eroded, it exposed a lot of uh, fossils of ancient horses and rhinos that used to roam the land. And so what you have now is this essentially these interesting hills where you can basically see the history of the area just carved through the the hillside. Do you remember, Matt, the story we wrote about in Dear Bob and Sue about that little girl who found the fossil in the park? You mean the junior ranger? Yeah. During the summer of 2010, a seven-year-old girl named Kylie from Georgia attended a junior ranger program at Badlands with her family. And this, this program was all about fossils. So while she was exploring near the visitor center, Kylie noticed something on the ground near the picnic benches that looked a little unusual. It was shiny and white, and it was buried in a butte. She thought it might be a fossil. So then, because of her junior ranger training, she did the right thing. She told a ranger instead of picking it up. Like you would have done? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) She's much better trained Uh than me. Well, it turned out that Kylie's find was an extremely rare and well-preserved saber-toothed cat fossil a 33-million-year-old fossil. I definitely would have picked it up. Uh, Yeah, for sure. So after she found that, they did a survey of the area, and that led to the discovery of more fossils. And now this area is known as the Sabre Site, all because of little seven-year-old Kylie. (laughs) Maybe you should do that junior ranger training. (laughs) Is it for all ages? I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe a senior ranger program? Or possibly... A fossil <laughs> ranger program. Wait, are you calling me a senior or a fossil? <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what, though? What? A senior ranger program is kind of a really brilliant idea. Think of how many seniors go to the parks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I will sign you up. <laughs> 
<laughs> and in, instead of on the ranger bags, they will have a fossil. <laughs> hey, if I can get one of those cute little vests with all the pockets and the little zippers on it, I'm in. Right. <laughs> now, Badlands National Park is divided into two units. The north unit, which is what we'll be talking about in this episode, is the developed area, and that has the Ben Rifle Visitor Center, and it's open all year all year long. Now, the south unit is situated on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, and it's managed by the Oglala Sioux Tribe. It has two distinct districts. It has the Stronghold and the Palmer Creek Districts. Now, these areas are mostly undeveloped. It does have a small visitor center, the White River Visitor Center, which is only open in the summer. But again, check the website because currently this entire area is closed due to COVID. The other thing that's great about the Badlands is it's pretty much surrounded by the Buffalo Gap National Grassland. Like with a lot of national parks, uh, there's public land surrounding it. Mm-hmm. And so it makes the park feel much bigger than than it actually is because those areas are protected as well. That's right. I hate to tell you this, Matt, but I found out after we left that there is a Buffalo Gap National Grassland Visitor Center in the town of Wall where we probably could have gotten a stamp. We missed it. <laughs> I know. We'll just have to we'll have to go back for that fourth road trip. Yeah, I'm sure we will. <laughs> so it's interesting how Badlands got its name. I saw on the National Park website that for hundreds of years the Lakota people called it Makosika, which means bad lands. And they they think that they called it that because, you know, it's difficult to travel through because it has jagged canyons and buttes. And in the winter, it's cold and windy. And in the summer, it's hot and dry. Um, But one fun fact I read was that in 1922, when it was first proposed as a national park, the suggested name was Wonderland National Park. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they called it Badlands. Wonderlands is just, I don't know. I mean, it is wonderful, uh-huh. but... Uh, it sounds too Disneyland-ish, doesn't it? And, yeah, and the Badlands is a wild place. I, I think it's actually very fitting. Yeah, and Yeah, very mm. appropriate. Well, it, it became uh, a national monument in 1939, and then a national park in 1978. That's right. So, Matt, let's talk about the wildlife. There is actually a lot of really great wildlife in the Badlands. You could see um, bison and prairie dogs and bighorn sheep. <laughs> <laughs> you are not playing That's that bird the recording what? again. The what? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Go ahead. Just... All right. So during our trip to the Badlands, Matt recorded this bird that was uh, sitting in the tree singing loudly. And for the rest of the trip, (laughs) he would pull out this recording on his phone, whether we were in a restaurant or in the truck. And he would randomly play this bird until it drove us all insane. (laughs) What I like doing is playing it when we were outside and then other birds would sing to it. I thought John was going to throw your phone out the window at one point. <laughs> yeah, and then then I texted the recording to all of you guys, and you started playing it too. So anyway, yeah, a lot of lot of bird calls in the in the mm-hmm. spring. All right, so where was I? The wildlife. So huge herd of bison, prairie dogs, bighorn sheep, coyotes. 
pronghorn antelope, black-footed ferrets, and of course, the ever-popular rattlesnakes. A lot of rattlesnake warnings. We didn't see any rattlesnakes, never have. I'd like to see one. Yeah, we're always on the lookout because there are signs everywhere, but we have never seen one yet, thank goodness. All right. So, Matt, I... (laughs) Yes. Stop. (laughs) I know the bison are your favorite thing in the world next to smoky bears, so why don't you talk about the bison in Badlands National Park? I know we talked about this on our Great American Bison Road Trip episode, but by 1884, it was estimated that the bison population in the country had declined from about 30 million to 325. Not 325 million, 325 bison. That's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, that is. Now, though, it's a success story because they've they've survived, and now there's about 20,000 bison roaming the public lands. So back in in the late 19th century, they were capturing whatever bison they could find just to protect them and and grow the herds and and reestablish the population. And by the 1960s, 50 of them were returned to the Badlands. 1963, they, they brought 50 of them from Teddy Roosevelt National Park. And, you know, without without predators, uh, the herd thrives. Now mm-hmm. there's about, there's over a thousand, about 1,200. Oh, that's amazing. In, in the park. And most of them hang out in the west part of the park over by Sage Creek Rim Road. Although in this last trip, we saw them wandering a little bit further east than we'd ever seen them before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on this trip, we came in the, gosh, what would that be? The northwest entrance. It's the, it's the one that's right off of the exit to Wall. Yeah, south of Wall. Mm-hmm. And we came in that particular entrance. And right there, there were a bunch of bison standing there by the National Park sign. It was like they were welcoming us. Yeah, we'd never seen them there before. So that was cool to see right when we entered the park. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So you know what I want to talk about now, Matt? <laughs> what would you like to talk about? Everyone's favorite subject, the black-footed ferret. Yes. I, I, <laughs> because it's it's a – oh, what was that? There seems to be a bird in our studio here. I'm sorry. Okay, that's going to get really old. I'll close the window so that he doesn't come in. I'm Thank sorry, you, you were uh-huh. talking about the black-footed ferret. So you will probably never see a black-footed ferret in the Badlands because they're nocturnal and they sleep for 21 hours every day. But here is the success story on the black-footed ferret. It was listed as endangered in 1967. And by 1974, the last known wild ferret population, which was about 80 miles from Badlands, it vanished. And four years later in 1980, the last cat 
captive black-footed ferret died and the species was declared extinct. Very sad. But then, you know what happened? No. Like, why don't you tell us? <laughs> in 1981, a ranch dog in Wyoming named Shep, he killed a black-footed ferret and brought it back to his owners. And the owners took it to a local taxidermist who told them how monumental this discovery was because it's a it's an extinct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So your dog killed the only black-footed ferret known to man mm-hmm. left on the planet. But so no, that's that is, not how the story that's ends. That's not the case. They they did some searching, and on their farm, they found a small population of 130 ferrets. That's that's a, quite a few ferrets. That seems like a lot, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't sound it? Sounds small to me. But. No. So wildlife biologists started monitoring this little herd. Can you call it a it's herd? A herd. Of it's, it's a pack of ferrets. <laughs> Unfortunately, this population was suffering from disease, and by 1987, only 18 of the original 130 ferrets were still alive. So at this point, the scientists decided to capture them and um, use these particular ferrets as the foundation for later reintroductions. So fast forward to now, uh, the black-footed ferret is still one of the most endangered animals in North America. Only about two to 300 of them live in the wild. I know, it's not very many. Yeah. Uh, Scientists currently estimate that there are about 120 black-footed ferrets living in Badlands National Park. Yeah, and they would like to get that population, not just in the park, but everywhere, over two to 3,000 before they feel like the species can kind of take off on its own. Exactly. I think that's the magic number. So hopefully that will happen. But I know that uh, Badlands has one of the most thriving populations currently. Well, I hope your Animal Planet audition went well <laughs> and that you get the, the they'll be calling you any moment. What do you think? How'd I do? Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Except I was a little concerned when Shep killed the black-footed ferret. You, that was kind of a downer. But it was other, a downer. Other than that. Okay, but here's the thing. Shep actually saved, probably saved the entire population of black-footed ferrets because they would never have known about them. And they most likely would have died out on this Wyoming <laughs> ranch. So it does have a happy ending. Shep saved the day. Except for the prairie dogs, because black-footed ferrets eat about one prairie dog every three days. They, they mm-hmm. eat about 100 prairie dogs a year. Yeah. So it's a sad story for, for so the, the prairie, prairie dogs, dogs, but they're a food source. <laughs> they, they they know they're a food source. It's yes. like, Prairie Dog Town is like a convenience store for all the predators in the park. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, they're not endangered. All right. Let's talk about things to do in the park. And speaking of, there are some cute prairie dog towns. If you want to go. Is the town cute? Or? Uh, the prairie dogs are cute. Wildlife viewing of the prairie dogs is a fun thing to do. Yeah, and they'll talk loudly to you. Not sure what they're saying, but it doesn't seem to be very welcoming. One of our absolute favorite things to do in the park is to drive the Badlands Scenic Road, which is also uh, called Highway 240. Now, it's about 30 miles long or so, and it's absolutely stunning because there are, gosh, I think we counted once, maybe 15 overlooks that you can stop at and see the views. But we love to do that. We've done it in both directions. We do it every time. Sometimes we do it two or three times on our visit. And we stop there to watch the sunset, Mm -hmm. as do a lot of people in the parks. 
I, I think from every one of those overlooks, the sunset is fantastic. Yes. And we've heard that people also go to watch sunrise. We, we're usually not up and out that no, early. No, we don't. We don't do sunrises. <laughs> not very often, no. unless we're camping, unless right. we're already outside. Yeah. yeah. But um, the, the Badlands Scenic Road is, is one of the most beautiful scenic drives we've ever done. Yeah, definitely must see at sunset. Yes. Let's talk about hiking. As people know who've listened to our podcast episodes, we like to hike. There's not a lot of hikes, not a lot of trails in the park. There's a few. We've done the Castle Trail, which is about 10 miles round trip. It's moderate in difficulty because it's essentially flat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, again, if you go on this, take water because you're kind of out exposed. But it's beautiful to be out there in the open spaces and amongst the grass and... Yeah, that's actually the longest trail in the park. Um, you start in the same, you park in the same parking lot as you would for the door and the window trails, which we'll talk about in a second. And then you go five miles one way to the fossil exhibit trail and then turn around and go back. And there are a couple of trails that branch off of that. So you can kind of make it a loop if you want to see something a little bit different on, you know, going one direction or the other. There's also, you can get up to that castle trail if you park at the Saddle Pass parking lot pull-off and go up Saddle Pass, which is a quarter mile, but it is steep. Mm -hmm. It is straight up. Uh, (laughs) We did that for the first time on this trip. It was a fun little scramble up and down. (laughs) It's it's pretty tough, but it's just short enough that uh, right as you want to give up, you get to the top. And then once you're at the top, uh, the trails that lead off of that are flat. Right. So on this particular trip, we did the Medicine Route Loop. And that was about, what, four to four and a half miles from Saddle Pass to Medicine Route Loop and back to our truck. In this area, you're not hiking other than Saddle Pass. You're not hiking through the buttes and the spires. You're, You're on flat ground. Now, I think the three most popular trails in the park are all grouped together in the same, you park in the same parking lot, and those are the window trail, the door trail, and the notch trail. So we'll talk briefly about those. The window trail is the shortest one. It's basically a little stroll on a boardwalk. It's only a quarter of a mile round trip, and it takes you back to what they call a window view of the Badlands. So that's very easy, very doable for anyone. And then, so that's the window and the door trail. So that's if you're parking, it's on the far left side of the parking lot. It's about three quarters of a mile round trip. So again, pretty short. There's a little boardwalk that starts it and the boardwalk continues to an overlook, but then you can get off the boardwalk and then continue through some of the badlands to another little overlook. So you kind of get off the paved area and feel mm-hmm. like you're out, out in it. Um, so that's that's an, another nice one and short and easy to do. Yeah. And I think it said the sign said something like strenuous or difficult and it wasn't at no, all. I'm not no. sure what. Uh, what yeah, I, don't, I don't know where that came from because it's it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. There's a sign at the end of the trail that says trail end. So I'd, we'd recommend hiking all the way to that point. And if you're parked there in that parking lot, by the way, it's a huge parking lot, so it can accommodate a lot of folks, and there is a restroom there. Facing the Badlands, off to the right, there's the Notch Trail, Mm -hmm. and that's a mile and a half round trip. It's an interesting destination, another great overview at at the end of the trail. But this one, this one's a little more difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that makes it difficult is 
it has a ladder. How long is the ladder? It's about 70, 80 feet maybe? I think that's about right. Now, yeah. it, it is leaning against the hillside. It's not straight up and down, um, yeah. so There's it does the, have an angle to it. Yeah, if you are paying attention, watching where you're placing your feet and your hands, you'll be fine. Yeah, every time we've hiked this, though... We, we don't think it's terribly difficult to go up and down the ladder, but there are other people who find it very difficult. And we have seen people every time who are kind of paralyzed at the top and can't go down or they're paralyzed halfway up. So I guess what we'd say is know your fear of heights. And if that's something that sounds horrifying to you, <laughs> skip this one if you don't want to do the ladder up and down. It is easier than it looks mm-hmm. once you do it. Definitely. Um, so yeah, so, mm-hmm. those, uh, so from that parking lot, you got the three hikes. Yeah, for three yeah. trails. Mm-hmm. And, and they're very fun. I don't know if we said, did we say the notch is a is one and a half miles round trip? Uh, and when you're at the top, when you get to the top of the ladder, there is a little bit of a scramble around a steep drop off. So if you're afraid of heights, um, you also might skip this one. But it was fun. We thought it was a great hike. Yeah, you do have to watch where you're going mm-hmm. on, on this particular trail. Yeah, so those are those are the trails in the park. Uh, we've done all of those and, and would recommend them. So let's talk about where to stay. Okay. So we have stayed, usually on past visits, we have stayed all the way in Rapid City, which, as we said, is about an hour drive, so not ideal. There are also some hotels in Wall, um, the tiny town of Wall, which was what, Matt, about a half hour, 20-minute half hour drive? Yeah, depending where you are in the, mm-hmm. in the park. The, the park road, that scenic road that we talked about, it can be... Um, it can take a while to drive it. Yeah, but Wall's Wall's the closest established town. And then this particular trip, for the first time, we had the chance to stay in the cabins at Cedar Pass Lodge, which is in the park. It's very close to the Ben Rifle Visitor Center, if you've been there. Um, and that was really fun. They were a lot more impressive than my expectation. I just, I thought that, you know, they would be typical national park cabins, you know, functional, but just, just a place to sleep. They were really nice and they had been redone recently and, and uh, very eco-friendly. So these cabins were built in Rapid City in the winters of 2012 and 2013, and then they were moved on site. So the final cabins were placed there late in the fall of 2013. And it's interesting because they were designed to resemble the original cabins that were built there back in 1928. Um, The other thing I loved about this that I read is that they used pine to build these cabins from fallen beetle kill pine trees from the Black Hills. So they repurposed, you know, these trees had died from the pine beetle infestation. They lined the inside walls with with this beautiful paneling that they took from these uh, these fallen trees. Yeah, and that was cool. The cabins are really well done. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely so beautiful. Definitely recommend those. Mm-hmm. I love staying inside the national parks because all you have to do is open your door and you're there. I woke up around, I think it was five o'clock when the sun came up and I went outside and walked around. It was so beautiful in the Badlands that early in the morning. And you didn't even have to change out of your pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought was weird, but... So did all the other people who saw me out there. (laughs) One more thing there at Cedar Pass Lodge. They also have a... (laughs) Matt. They have what? 
What they you have say? a beautiful gift shop. Lolly and I thought it was one of the best gift stores we've ever been to in a national park. They have beautiful Native American crafts of all kinds, gorgeous jewelry and uh, things like that. So we we spent quite a bit of time in the gift shop there. Also, there's a restaurant there too. And the and the restaurant was good. Right now, in in May of 2021, it's still takeout only. Navajo fry bread is a must. Is a must have if you're in the area. Highly recommend. Yeah. That's right. Oh, we should mention the the campgrounds, man. Yeah, the Cedar Pass Lodge also manages the Cedar Pass Campground, which is close by. There are 96 sites, and they do take reservations. Yeah, and the other campground in the park is the Sage Creek Campground out on Sage Creek Rim Road. This has 22 sites, and they are all free, first come, first served. Now, the road is unpaved, and motorhomes, pull-behind trailers, and any other RVs greater than 18 feet in length are prohibited. And since that's where the bison like to hang out, maybe you'll get lucky and share your campsite with the bison. Ooh, wouldn't that be cool? (laughs) Cool for a while, (laughs) as long as they keep moving on. So if you're going all the way to the Badlands, there are a couple of things you should check out in the surrounding area. My favorite thing to check out, one one of my favorite things to check out is the Minuteman Missile, the National Historic Park, which is right to the north of the park on the on the highway they have the visitor center and one of the great things to do there is watch the documentary video that's only about 25 minutes long mm-hmm. it's, it's called beneath the plains it's fascinating it is fascinating. fascinating so if you're not familiar with minuteman missile during the cold war a vast arsenal of nuclear missiles were placed in the great plains and they were hidden there in plain sight for 30 years a thousand missiles were kept there on constant alert. And I guess today there are still hundreds, still hundreds buried right. there. Yeah, they've deactivated some of the silos and, and, and the missiles, but there are still live missiles in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do you can take a tour of one of the sites, the okay. missile sites. Uh-huh. We've never done that. And, and I don't know that they were even doing it last week when, when we were there. But anyway, uh, hopefully when... COVID goes away and things are back to normal, we can we can do that sometime. That's right. Um, each tour is limited to six people and a park ranger. It lasts 45 minutes, and I believe they sell the tickets online ahead of time, so check that out. But if you only have a half an hour, 45 minutes, it's a beautiful visitor center. Watch the movie and um, check it out. It's, it's really fascinating. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do. One of my favorite things to do is <laughs> to go to Wall Drug in yeah. the tiny town of Wall. <laughs> and the greatest thing about Wall Drug is there's free ice water. <laughs> this is a it's a promotion they started years and years ago when they first established Wall Drug. The the owner's wife thought it would attract visitors to the area if they put up billboards advertising free ice water. Mm-hmm. And those billboards are still there. And they're still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't been to Wall Drug, it was uh, established way back in 1931. I think it was just a tiny drugstore at the time. Now it has taken over at least a whole city block. It's um, 76,000 square feet of retail shops and little eateries inside. 
And there's also a giant jackalope. Mm, you can climb and that, sit on it. That you can sit on and get your uh, picture taken. We, uh, I believe we have a picture of Sue and I sitting on that jackalope on a previous trip. Yeah, to, we do. To we do. All drug. And they're, they're famous also, they're famous for their donuts. I think we had two donuts and, and split them four ways when we were there. So we didn't uh, load up on dozens and dozens of donuts, which was the original plan when we went to Wall Drug this last time. But That's right. Anyway, yeah, it's uh, Wall Drug's fun to. Fun it to is see. fun. You know, it's it's touristy for sure, and and uh, you might not find anything you'd ever want to buy in there, but it's definitely fun to wander through because it's so big. Um, they do get two million visitors a year. It's a, a very lot. popular place, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those places you have to stop and see at least once in your in your lifetime. So, Karen. We get this question all Mm -hmm. the time about every park, so let's just address it now. How many days would you plan if you went to Badlands National Park? You know, I think you could see and do most of the things in one day, maybe a day and a half if you're spending the night there. Now, I know people go for longer. And as we said before, I think we said that uh, in Badlands, you can wander anywhere you want. You don't have to stay on a specific trail. So, I mean, you could go for a week and wander the park and wander through the Badlands if that's your thing. You can. Um be, be careful of rattlesnakes uh, <laughs> if you want to go off trail or even if you are on trail, uh, you could do that. But I think, you know, like you said, one day or a day and a half would be perfect. Yeah, I think a perfect day is what we did with John and Lolly on this trip. And we'll tell you what we did. So we drove there from Hill City, South Dakota, where we were staying. We got off I-90 at the wall exit, drove the scenic drive, stopped at a couple overlooks, Parked at the um, Saddle Pass. Parked at Saddle area. Pass. Yeah. We did the Saddle Pass Medicine Route Loop hike. Then we drove out of the park. And and here there were a lot of <laughs> there, there were a lot of birds on that uh, particular trail. One thing I should say too, we didn't mention this, is that afternoons in the park are not great. First of all, it gets very hot. The sun is directly overhead. It kind of washes out all the scenery. So mornings and evenings are your best time. So continuing on, we left at about lunchtime. We drove to Wall, went to Wall Drug, had lunch in Wall Drug. I think John got that what giant? Yes, yeah, something <laughs> with gravy on it. That was it. Was the gravy? The it's gravy. the Great American Gravy Tour for John on this particular <laughs> trip. It's something covered in gravy. I couldn't tell what it was. There was, was so, so much so gravy. Much gravy. <laughs> yeah. So we had lunch at Wall Drug. We did. We also visited the Missile Man site, uh-huh. the, the mm-hmm. visitor center there, and watched, watched, the, watched movie. the movie. Then we went back into the park. Now it's about four o'clock. We hit the notch window and door trails. We did all three of those. Then we went and checked into our cabin. We went took a nap. Took a very like a five minute nap. Went to the restaurant, ordered takeout Indian fry bread tacos, and then drove the scenic road and then parked ourselves at one of the overlooks for sunset. We ha- we brought camp chairs. Yeah, we got with our us. camp chairs out, mm-hmm. sat there ate while the sun was going down. Uh-huh. And then as it got started getting pretty, we would go out to the overlook and, and down there and try to get a, a good photo of the sun. So yeah, that was... It was beautiful. It was, it was a perfect day. Perfect and day. you know what? We hit every single thing. We hit the trails. We hit Walt Drug. We hit Minuteman Missile. We hit Sunset and the Scenic yeah. Drive and the Indian Fry Bread Tacos. And what more could you possibly uh, ask for? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, and except, you know, the, those darn birds. <laughs> kept us up or woke us up in the morning. (laughs) 
I like that they kept the name Badlands, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it, it's a wild place and Badlands conjures up that image of the Wild West. It's actually perfect. As you're, as you're going through, you can just imagine what the early settlers and the Indians who lived there, what their lives would have been like in this harsh, rugged, beautiful environment. So yes, Badlands is the perfect name, but it's definitely a wonderland of a national park. Yes, it is. See how I worked that in there? Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into our show. We covered a lot of information on this episode, and we'll post links to some of the things we talked about on our show notes, which you can find at www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com. If you've enjoyed our podcast and you'd like to help Karen get to her goal of 750 ratings and reviews, you can do that on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for some good summer reads, Check out all of our Dear Bob and Sue books on Amazon. Our show is produced by our very talented team at Pedal Creative in Portland, Oregon. Our cover artwork is by the designers at Expert Subjects. And our theme music is by Will West. I'm glad you got a chance. (laughs) I'm glad you got a chance to use your bird recording in this episode, Matt. But now that it's over, it's time to retire it. Bye-bye, birdie. Oh, the bird's not going anywhere. I've got it right here on my phone. <laughs> You're going to be hearing the bird for a long time, sweetie. <laughs>